Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. Alrighty, March Madness is here. Not everyone can have a perfect bracket, but you can have the perfect set of balls this tournament season. With the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming have just launched their ultra-premium collection to give you the total champion hygiene routine. After sweating out the games, make sure that you lather up head-to-toe with this all-in-one skin and hair kit to have your body and balls smelling final for fresh. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com, use the code PEAKSPEAK for 20% off plus free shipping. This is a Cinderella story you're not going to want to miss. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code PEAKSPEAK. Make sure you call on Manscaped this tournament season on or your bracket won't be the only thing that's busted. I got it. I got it this morning. Sorry I'm on potato camp, by the way. I didn't expect we'd be doing this. I am also recording, and to be honest, I'm not that fast. I'm pretty aware of what your face looks like, pixelated or not. That's good. Yeah. That's good. You know what makes me look better? Caffeine. Uh, alcohol. Oh, wait. Yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Caffeine, caffeine from our good friends at Prism. I got uh, three delicious bags delivered today. There's a couple of Excellent. new flavors as well. What are the new flavors? Have you got them uh, up there? So there's two, yeah, two new single origin ones. They've got uh, El, Mirado, El Mirador, I think it is, which is a Colombian and an Ethiopian called Ayla Bom. Uh, I got the Ayla Bomb and I've just finished it and um, it is fucking delightful. It is notes of blackcurrant, grape and caramel. goes very nicely with milk. Uh, I haven't drunk it black because I'm lazy and they send me the filter only stuff, which is their, mm. where did it go? Monte Blanco, uh, which goes deliciously as a black coffee. So yeah, both are good options if you like drinking coffee and if you use the code PeakSpeak. You're going to mm. save some cash dollars, which is never a bad thing. Some dineros, exactly. Are you in lockdown because your hair's getting very unkempt or are you personally growing it out to no, grow no, a top I'm, knot? I'm growing my hair long. No, I'm going more with a... Uh, I'm actually getting my hair cut on Wednesday, uh, but I'm going like a more aggressive mohawk. This You can't see it very well, but I've had like a high fade and yes. kept it really long for a while and then I started growing the back to then turn it into a bigger mohawk, so... Damn. Uh, yeah, this is definitely the longest my hair's been since I had a fully sick private school boy white afro in year eight. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, let's skip straight to the good stuff. Thor versus Eddie Hall. <laughs> the most fabricated uh, lead up all t- of all time. Yeah, nothing like a bit of fake hype to ensure you make some money out of your uh, endeavors. 
I Powerlifting it, like, would be a lot better if we oh, added an element of smack talk and bullshit. Like, there's always been a bit of friendly smack talk. Yeah. But I want to see some like genuine fucking rivalries, like fights <laughs> at the weigh-ins. Man, powerlifting would be a much more entertaining sport if that was the case. <laughs> the thing is the sport of fighting is fighting. So they can like it's normal for them to get in a fight. They should just have some loaded bars like at the weigh-ins and be, oh, be, <laughs> instead of fighting, it's like, yeah, I'll deadlift that. No, I'll deadlift that. So, <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious um, a bunch I, of very dehydrated poorly uh, poorly focused powerlifters hurting themselves right before the important powerlifting make exclusively for ego's sake I get I get the obviously fabricated hype because that's what they do like at the top level but I think there's so much more production quality at the top level that it's not it doesn't appear quite as fabricated like Oh, I don't know. I, Some of that top tier stuff it. still seems pretty fabricated. But the, the point that I made earlier is that like, I don't really watch fighting. I like fighting as a sport. I think it's cool. I don't want to do it because I don't want to be punched in the face. But I have a lot of respect for fighters because it, it takes a lot of work to be at the top level. Mm. But if I were to watch fighting, I'm going to watch like actual fighters fight, mm. not a bunch of amateur fucking boxers who used to be strongmen. It just, yeah. Yeah, I, like I scrubbed through the fight and I thought if, if it's interesting, I might actually give it the time to to watch a round or two. And I, I like you, I'm not I'm not a fighting fan, but if I'm going to watch one, it's going to be a very top tier fight, you know. Um, and yeah, it's just a bit boring. So I just scrubbed through to who won and kind of left it there and, and moved on. I think just on this note as well, one of the unique, super unique things about the sport of fighting, you know, there are a lot of sports where I think of something in the Olympics where four years of training leads up to a nine second sprint you know um but there are very few things where you couldn't do that again in a couple of weeks if you had to yeah. like you you're bombed you can't just go and and you know you can in running you can just go do another run whereas in fighting if you get your ass fucking kicked or you, even if you don't even if you win but it's a poor performance or i don't know if there's draws whatever after you've only got a limited number of knocks to the head and so you can't just fight every weekend no. so fuck imagine training for a year getting knocked out in 15 seconds in the first round and that's Man, it even You're done worse for- than that what about the people that miss weight like oh, how the fuck around. do you prepare for a professional level fight where you know to the minute the time of day the location and the exact weight you have to be and you fucking miss weight like god that would be fucking brutal and then to be on the other side of that and be the person who's like in the best shape they've been in forever ready to fight and then be like what the fuck now i've wasted this whole thing like you can't go it's not like powerlifting where you'd be like oh my meat got cancelled i'll just test some maxes in the gym yeah you can't test your fight (laughs) yeah old mate's not gonna go and be like oh i'll just go beat the shit out of my sparring partners (laughs) what's weird so like i know when they're leading into a fight if someone gets injured or whatever pulls out they'll quickly get some do they have backups on the day like if someone i don't think they have it on the day i don't think the expect i i don't i don't know and i'm happily happy to be corrected here but um i would have thought that there is a certain level of preparedness that is required especially like at the ufc level and Mm. stuff like that right that would require you to get more notice than like 24 hours i've seen them talk about like four weeks notice stuff like that like that's a reasonable turnaround at least in my head but i don't think you're going to find anyone day of like just walk around the stadium be like yo you want to fight this ufc fighter all right cool 
Yeah, well, that's what that's what would make the Olympics a much more interesting spectator sport is if like every event just had one off the street person. random. Yeah, yeah, it'd be <laughs> it'd be way more impressive to see Usain Bolt run nine seconds and then Jerry from the stands run it in fifteen. <laughs> you know, like that would just make life much more entertaining. And I think you know you could really showcase someone's UFC skills by having them beat the shit out of an average punter in a tap out shirt. Exactly. All right, what's happening? Uh, what's happening down there in Canberra? What's the news? Uh, Have you guys had any comps recently? Yeah, yeah. So we had a novice comp in February. Oh, by the way, we apologise for not releasing an episode for the last three weeks, mainly due to just it, it hasn't even been lack of organisation as much as stuff's just come up. Yeah, yeah. That's life. As- We've had a time booked in every week. Yeah, yeah, it's um, just the, that's the nature of the beast. But hey, mm. we've got like several years of back catalog episodes. If you get bored, go and listen to them. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, we had a novice comp in I think it was February, uh, but we run it ran it as two sessions because uh, we still had like capacity limits and stuff like that. Mm. So it made for a fucking long day, but it was sick to see everyone back on the platform. Our next one's in May, and it's already sold out. Uh, which is fucking great. So awesome. I think people are just excited to be back on the platform. Uh, mm. Like our GPC states also in May sold out as well. So uh, that's going to be really exciting because we're going to be able to run both just as regular meets. So it'll be sort of really back to life as normal, which is going to be fucking cool. Uh, I'm excited for that. What else is going on? As I said to you earlier, I'm having a hard time being productive over the next two weeks because we're almost ready for Dragon Dreaming, which is a four-day bush tour that got cancelled at the end of last year and moved to two weeks from now. And I'm in the, oh, fuck, I'm really excited and I can't focus on anything useful for the next two weeks period. So did you it's a great up- way to, like, ride off three whole weeks. <laughs> did did you... Was... Did you end up getting the mask? Weren't you getting, like, a 3D printed... Yeah, I'm, I'm still working on that. The guy okay. that's doing that for me is frustrating to work with um and i am not convinced it's going to work out but we'll see mm-hmm. either way i'm going to have some fucking sick outfits because my girlfriend is a wizard with a sewing machine definitely and some stretchy gold etched velvet <laughs> it's gonna so be good. keen to see this yeah, yeah it's, it's gonna be good there'll be a fashion show don't worry yeah uh, what's happening up north you're gonna open several more gyms in the next couple of weeks just for fun or Yes, we have um, Zero Brisbane opening in a couple of weeks. We've just been smashed by um, delay after delay with the the building work. So um, to give people context, um, you you would have thought that I learned my lesson opening a gym next to an antique shop at the last location on the Gold Coast. But no, I've decided to open a gym underneath an opal museum. Uh, So because we are underneath Underneath a what? An opal museum of all things. So they are going to get so upset. Typically deadlifts. <laughs> you keep knocking and, out fucking opals off the shelves. Deadlifts in museums and museum curators probably aren't the um, the best collab. <laughs> uh, but no, part, part of going into the space uh, was that the landlord had to install noise cancelling insulation and it's just proven to be a massive hurdle uh, for them. So it's slowed. We've had the equipment waiting and ready to yeah, build right. for well over a month um we were we were meant to open a a little while ago and it just we've just been delayed by the building works and then the flooding created some supply issues for the builders and some transport issues for the builders and that slowed things down a little bit more but um, all the electrical stuff gets done tomorrow and then the rest of the ceiling can go up and once the ceiling's up we got a gym so 
Um, we should only be a week or two away, um, which is weird and scary and exciting and just weird mostly. Um, outside of that, last week, last weekend, weekend before, I don't know, week or two ago, uh, we ran the APL Queensland States here, and it was the biggest comp I've ever run in the in the gym at least. Um, we had 120 lifters, so fuck it, two, man. Two days, two sessions. Um, we changed the format of the gym. We moved the whole gym around um, for the comp, and that's going to stay how it is now and historically you're not moving the gym back to its original thing or that's just going to be a comp setup for now no no i moved i moved the a lot of the equipment so that we didn't have to double handle it when we moved for comps the layout of the gym is now uh no no the layout's fine um it's there's some teething stuff we need to shuffle it around a little bit but it just means that the warm-up room has a lot more stuff than it did before like a few pieces of equipment we'd push out of the way and and couldn't use and now we can use them um, and we did something different. Normally I keep all the equipment in the gym and just move it around um, and like make some room. And it's not actually, it doesn't take us long, it takes us 20 minutes. Uh, this time we spoke to our next door neighbors, uh, borrowed their, their warehouse, borrowed a forklift from across the way um, and moved all the equipment where the spectators sit into the place next door. So we had about triple the spectator room. And it just, I'm so stunned by how, um, how much calmer the comp felt for lifters. Like yeah. the warm-up room is normally fucking chaos. Yeah, and man. it was just way more lifters than usual and super calm. Um, so uh, I've, I've never bothered to go to those lengths. I shouldn't say I've never bothered. I've never thought or desired to go to those lengths because I've always had in my head that I'm not a meat director. I run meats as a necessity. Uh, and now that the meats are getting fucking gigantic, I'm kind of putting that hat back on and, and we upgraded a bunch. We upgraded the sound system, wall mounted a, uh, a TV, got a new wireless system for stuff, wireless mics. We upgraded everything for this comp um, and it's just so much better. And so now yeah. our comps are going to be so much better. Yeah, um, man. And it and it takes like those, those steps are gradual ones to figure that out. You know, like it, it takes practice to realize that, you know, oh, maybe we do need that extra bench in the warm-up room and things like that. Because I know that I was talking to someone the other day uh, in Canberra who had r- run some meets or been involved in running meets and um, said, you know, there's all these little teething things that you don't work out until you run a big meet and something goes wrong. Mm. Um, you know, but like we've been in a position where we've had a lifter get injured on the platform be essentially unable to be moved and then we've rotated the entire competition by 90 degrees and used one of our warm-up monos as the you know because this was mid-flight i told squad didn't he was i there i can't can't remember remember. i i they all blur into one at this point yeah um but yeah like we managed to rotate the gym have everyone back under the bar and continue the comp without any major hiccups within a few minutes you know and um i think like I know when we put our space together the way we've got it now, ours is essentially built around the idea of not mm. moving stuff for comps and making sure that the warm up room is as big and as spacious as possible to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to warm up, not feeling crowded and shuffled around and those sort of things. Cause the first few comps we ran at our old place were fucking chaos mm. <laughs> um, for exactly that reason. So yeah, I think a lot of people, if you're getting into hosting meets, have a real serious think about how your gym's laid out and what it mm. looks like because it actually makes life so much fucking easier because we're in the same position we can like you and mike did it that day you were here we set the whole gym up in yeah. 30 minutes and like it was went from looking like it's regular training setup yeah. to ready for a competition in 30 minutes with two people moving at a very sunday morning pace mm. 
Mm. Uh, you know, and it just fuck it makes life so much better. <laughs> so my other big advice is don't buy things like neck machines because then when you have to run a comp, you're like, <laughs> what do I do with this neck machine that never gets used? Then you look at another piece of equipment. And you're like, why did I buy that squat machine? That's essentially the same as the other three squat machines that we've already got, just slightly different. And then you think to yourself, that's a pretty color. I like it. Yeah, yeah, that's because that's actually what happens with gym owners. They're like the time I had an argument with my girlfriend because I was like, oh, I feel like you know this cable machine kind of plugs a hole, and like maybe I won't buy any equipment for a while. Maybe I'll open an internet browser next week and see something on sale and buy it. And she was like, can you stop fucking just buying equipment because you want it? I was like, uh, no, that's my entire business model is I buy equipment that I like and then I make other people use it because they pay me to. Exactly. It's the beauty it's of owning a gym. Yeah, it's amazing. It's my tax deductible playground is what I refer to it as regularly. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I just buy shit that I like. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know if you've been getting much many questions or many people talking to you about it, uh, but I certainly have. Um, and so I thought it was a, a timely um, time <laughs> a time a timely episode yeah out of uh, practice with these to, segues aren't you <laughs> to revisit um, some stuff around uh, powerlifting in Australia some stuff around federations um, and maybe the future of Australia and what I'm specifically referring to is I've had a lot of people um, question me as to what I think or what I know of USAPL uh, entering the Australian space um, so yeah I thought we'd just have a bit of a chat around federations the future of australian powerlifting uh where we see it going in our eyes what what we think should or could happen um so have you been talking much about it has, has anyone come up to you and been like hey Man, Jan? like not not a ton um i mean the canberra powerlifting population is much smaller than queensland so um that plays a role but i think it from my point of view at least uh in in the interest of brutal honesty i've actually very very seriously considered uh removing all affiliation to any federations in our powerlifting scope and only ever running novice comps uh recently because the just constant bullshit that comes with this whole federation discussion is the thing that annoys me most about powerlifting the mm. constant battle around the egos that are involved and who's in charge and all of these sort of things almost completely disheartens me from being involved in powerlifting on that scale like our novice comps are always fucking sick and then the sanction comps are never bad but there's just that air of superiority that sometimes comes from people in these positions that i just really have no time for anymore and all the political mm -hmm. drama that comes with it is frustrating but i think having said that if you want to take the sport seriously you need these federations right i just wish that we could be in a position where we didn't have to do a fucking podcast episode about federations talking about where they fit in because everyone we just had two federations and it was tested and untested and powerlifting prospered because we're all just fucking lifting weights <laughs> but that's not where we are so here we are anyway um so yeah i haven't had a ton of questions about it um but we also don't have as big of a presence from that side of powerlifting in canberra i don't think um if you want to look at it as the tested untested debate mm -hmm. but like everything i think it'll be interesting to see how they go yeah 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 i think you know a few years ago i probably would have been like oh no the last thing powerlifting needs is another federation especially in australia which is already divided and blah 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 and diluting competition blah 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 um i think those those arguments are largely redundant 
you know, because people who are at the top find competition or they chase competition and they'll move around to satisfy it. Um, and, you know, previously I thought this about APL when APL started taking off um, and I didn't run APL mates back then. I just saw another federation. I'm like, what, what are we doing? Like, it's such a waste of time. And now since, um, you know, going on board with John back in the day, starting to run APL meets locally as the only federation that we ran out of the Gold Coast. And I only did that for John, as in uh, John Gabriel, the previous president, because he was a good dude uh, and I liked his vision. Um, and then being part of the growth of that federation, now seeing how big it is, I'm like, okay, well, forget federations. We've actually facilitated the growth of the sport, which, you know, rising tide floats all boats kind of thing. Um, so while you can make these arguments about diluting the comp competition and all that sort of stuff I, I really don't think it applies that much because um again the the majority of people competing in this sport are not that competitive yeah uh, you know in, ter in terms of a national level point of view. especially even on like a world scale now like where the world bodies are affiliated or where each feds affiliated with a world body that's so much less relevant these days because there just aren't that many people traveling to worlds and mm -hmm. needing to be competitive on an international scale mm -hmm. so that discussion becomes less relevant as well i think mm. yeah and then like it's uh, just as as you know like you expressed your fu frustration about the kind of um um uh bad eggs that can put a negative spin on federation federated lifting the reality is the vast majority of people in every single federation the vast majority of meat directors do a fantastic job the vast majority of people are fucking awesome and powerlifting is a great sport and it's really sad that these bad eggs kind of put this taste in our mouth and at the end of the day from my perspective it's just like uh, forget the three three little letters i'm here to support the lifter i'm here to support powerlifting and i'm going to do the best job that i can and i see other people in other federations running comps doing the same thing you know uh, doing the best job they can running amazing comps and um you know i don't want to be involved in high level political discussions because i've been there and it fucking sucks yeah um it's it's just like the old adage you don't ever argue with an idiot because they'll beat you with experience that's what it's like dealing with powerlifting politics at the top end like there's there is no movement um and uh in well, in most cases there is no movement and so um i'm just going to focus on my own little bubble and and keep trying to do the best thing that i can do down here man and that's basically the decision i came to a little while ago was that in the end i like i have maybe half a dozen people on my roster who are like actively pursuing competing at a national level the rest compete in gpc because we run gpc meets yeah you know like and the people that come to compete at our sanctioned meets come not for the three letters but for the quality of meat that we run and so from my point of view I, i'm doing exactly the same i'm doing my best to stay out of the bullshit doing my best to find what's best for the lifters that I coach and what they want to get out of their journey and then just run the best comps that we can. Because, mm. yeah, I just am too fucking old for all this bullshit that comes <laughs> with the... Like, I've just... I think that's been the biggest thing that has made me jaded about powerlifting has been that it's been fucking, what, like 10 years since I've been involved in GPC and, like, the federation politics just continue to be bullshit and it infuriates me because mm. it's just fucking powerlifting and it would be really nice if we could all just you know scrape out some of these bad eggs and 
put a put a uh, an offering together that gives all of the powerlifters in the country the best opportunity to compete at the highest levels in mm-hmm. the best competitions. But ultimately, like you said, the the best competitors go where the best competitors are, and everyone else goes to the highest quality meets. And mm. the three little letter the three little letters don't actually mean that much. Yeah, for sure. So, like, I, you know, and coming coming back to the original thing around USAPL uh, in Australia, like with with that logic, I look at um, who's been the most vocal about it so far, which is you know the strength culture team. They're going to put on an amazing show. They're going to put on great comps. Uh, they're very popular. They've got a great following. Their comps are going to fill up. So in Melbourne, I think it's going to do fantastic. And so that's less of a, a representation of USAPL and more of a rep- representation of, of those people, you know, of, of strength culture and what the boys are doing down there. Um, so I, th- I think it's going to do really well, and I hope it does do really well for them because I think they've got their, their heads on, and I think they're um, uh, passionate about the sport, passionate about the lifter, and want to put on genuinely the best quality meets that they possibly can. Um, I don't I don't know what's happening in, in other states. You know, I know a few other people who have been approached. I've been approached by the, the representative in, in Queensland. And because it's a, a little bit too similar to APL in terms of um, the testing standards, in terms of the options offered, it's probably less so than APL. There's not a great deal of reason for um, me to run any USAPL meets out of uh, zero. So I'll be curious to see what happens to it. Um, locally in, in Southeast Queensland, who takes it on board and, and what the competitions look like. But as long as the right people are behind it, it can it can be fantastic. And again, it provides an entry level for people um, that aren't interested in other feds or don't gel with other feds. It gives them an outlet to go and compete. And if they become competitive enough, the competition will drive them to, to find the competition, you know, elsewhere if they need to. Uh, so like uh, you see people jumping between all feds all the time. And the great thing about uh, USAPL and APL and GPC and uh, is that we're allowed to complete, compete across all those federations. Uh, no problem competing across all those federations, you know. And I honestly think that's the, like, that's the thing that kills a federation in modern day powerlifting is being a limit, being so limited and prescriptive about who and where you can train with and compete with because ultimately there's a bunch of people who are friends across all of these federations who yeah. just want to go and compete with their friends at these comps and to be able to do that without being fucking harassed about it. So, yeah, yeah I think you'd be very short-sighted trying to run a federation now in Australia that limits the options of where your lifters are allowed to compete. Yeah, and it's like if you're listening to this and you're not too familiar with the history of powerlifting because you haven't in Australia because you haven't been around for that long, this is a big part of why PA died. Um, a big part of um, I mean that and the guy at the head of it's a serial sex pest allegedly. Yeah, I mean that probably has something to do with it. Uh, but you know th- this is this is historically why powerlifting kind of looks like it does and why there's language attached to it because it was so divided because of how he set up that federation because mm. it wasn't by the world rules it was by his rules. In the world rules you could go compete in other federations with certain stipulations that were governed by WADA, not by the the federation itself. And so like and you could coach across federations as well. Because that was not allowed in Australia, you know, you couldn't you couldn't go and compete and coach and uh, officiate in other federations. You see the business landscape of strength training and powerlifting very uh, split into like select groups of lifters. You know, this particular coach goes with that federation. All their lifters only compete in that federation. And it was so um, it was such a limitation for us business wise. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had I've I've always coached I 
have had in the past always coached and had lifters training at my gym from PA, but very limited because of those uh, restrictions and amplified by the fact that uh, that previous president, um, who shall not be named but rhymes with Dilks, uh, would contact <laughs> contact a lifter if they put that they were coached or trained at gyms like ours and tell them that they are not allowed to do that, that they'll get banned, that they'll get trouble, that, well, further than that, attack on our personal integrity. No, they're fucking drug dealers and they kill people and they're pirates. He called me a pirate. He's called me a pirate so many times. That's amazing. I've definitely been referenced as a criminal on multiple occasions, which is hilariously ironic given the current situation. If the boot fits. But, you know, (laughs) like it it was, and I love, uh, what I love about that is that it never actually prevented anyone from going uh, no. with us, you know, like it, it shows that if you know, anything, it strengthened the resolve of a bunch of people. Cause they then come like, I've certainly had this experience where they've come to me and I've like talked them down from the ledge of like, Hey, it's totally okay for you to train here. And, that particular person is just threatening you because he's a narcissistic cunt and allegedly, um, and I don't want to be sued for slander. Um, you but, can't be for saying that if if you've got reason to believe it, which you do. <laughs> well, trust me, Charlie, it's fine. I've uh, looked, I've looked into the um, defamation uh, laws extensively, and we have a mutual friend who is all around this. So if good. you ever get in trouble, I'll I'll, I'll pass them on to you. Spectacular. Um, but yeah, I've had people like, and you know, frustratingly, the people who've come to me like on the verge of tears because they've been berated by this person about their choice of gym and coach have often been females and then the couple of males i've had have been like okay just go ahead and then basically told him to get fucked and then gone and done it anyway and been fine because there is no recourse and that i think in every case when i explain that to these people they've just been like oh well fuck them Mm. (laughs) i'm just gonna keep doing this and they can't do anything about it and often yeah, it's was, like it's pushed people away from them as a federation for exactly that reason. Mm. I, I always just went down the rule book. It's like, cool, he can say that. Here's the rules of his rule book that say yeah. that you're totally fine. So, yeah, no problem. Um, but, yeah, like if you, if you look at the, the uh, historical landscape, it created that segregation. And you see it in people's language. You see, oh, that, that's uh, people still say it about my gym. Oh, it's an APL affiliated gym. What the fuck does that mean? Like, what's an APL affiliated gym? What's a GPC affiliated gym? Do you have a gym affiliation? You have a piece no. of paper, a certificate on the wall no, no. that says you're my, affiliated? My gym is Federation neutral. <laughs> exactly. Where where I'm, I'm, it's a fucking gym. That's all yeah, it is. Exactly. Um, and so that that was created because PA had uh, you know affiliated clubs, which would yeah. get the little wanky bonuses and all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, like that's it's not a thing. And so like it's it's infiltrated the landscape. But the I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like that is slowly fading away. I feel like there's a lot more, um, um, a lot more uh, cohesiveness now. You know, people yeah, are, I, people are blame- I think there is still a gap. Um, APU is not helping that because they've now um, doubled down on the old PA rules anyway. They've essentially just turned into PA. Um, so it is very hard to, you know, coach across and train across um, federations with APU. Um, but you know, a- APU is just digging their own grave. That's my opinion. But take it. With yeah, and I think th- like the nature of the sport of powerlifting is we're always going to need two federations. We're going to need a tested and untested o- option. And then if you've got wraps and sleeves as two different options, there, great. That's cool too. Mm-hmm. But 
the more you create division by, you know, and especially in, in the PA case, it was always like we're better than you because we're the tested federation and we've got the affiliations with the government and all these sort of things. Like it was this air of superiority that made it really tough for anyone to actually enjoy it and you end up in this position where suddenly everyone else in the powerlifting world is less than because they don't align with your point of view which Mm. is just fucking bullshit because we all just want to lift weights and have a good time and people want to go where their friends are and be able to to do these things and have options so i think yeah it, it is definitely digging your own grave to be running any federation that puts you in a position where you're attempting to limit the interactions that consenting adults have in their relationships outside of fucking powerlifting like it's mm. an amateur sport you know it's not even like any of these people are getting like stipends because they're top tier athletes or anything like that mm. the top tier athletes in the country don't fucking compete there for a start <laughs> and, and b just are not in a position where anyone's going to tell them where they can compete because they're being paid for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like that would make sense. If you were like, oh, you're a, you know, a whatever official athlete and like we've got a, this stipend that you're being paid, yeah, cool. Then you have a, a reason to control the outcome of a sport. But to be in a position where you're telling a bunch of amateur people who are participating this in in this as a hobby that they can't go and train at the gym that they want to train at because of where the coach competes is just fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, just to clarify a few things, um, before when I made that comment about APU, by the way, that's that's not a, a dig at anyone running APU meets because I have a lot of friends who run APU meets. Yeah. I think, um, you know, uh, people people are generally doing a great job of APU. And if you're competing in APU, you probably have a really great experience competing there as well. Um, there's, there's just some unfortunate political stuff that happens from the top down that a, a lot of people have been affected by behind the scenes. That's more what I'm referring to there. In terms of like understanding um the actual rules it it doesn't take anyone more than you know a a little bit of reading and research to understand what the rules were and so where this um where the stretch was taken and then misinterpreted and and blurred lines for people who weren't willing to go and read the rules is that wada has a stipulation about prohibited association Mm. so as as part of apu or ipf um, you are governed by asada or wada the the drug testing agency and uh, there is a, um, a bylaw, whatever, uh, part of the constitution about prohibited association, which says who you cannot associate with. And that was brought in to stop like institutionalized doping in the like Russian Olympic sense. You know, that was a rule that was about ensuring that banned coaches from a country couldn't then continue to coach their country's exactly team or whatever like it it wasn't meant to be used in the way that it ended up being interpreted that's what i mean so like the actual prohibited association it's a real thing Uh, but it's only a real thing if so you cannot associate with someone who's on the current banned list or someone who has i can't remember the time frame but served a particular sentence for something in jail in prison for something that would have uh, being related to something that would have constituted a ban, right? Um, and so there's a published list of people who are banned. And I can guarantee you that you're probably not associating with any of them. Um, and association is actually pretty set in stone, like in terms of it means you can't be coached by them, you can't receive physiotherapy. Basically, you can't receive anything from this person that constitutes an aid in performance. Um, and so like if, uh, if I am banned, training at my gym would not be a, a prohibited association. 
that would be the same as saying I own a Coles and that going to my Coles is prohibited association. It's it's just not the case because unless I'm directly coaching you, providing feedback on your lifting, whatever, for the record, I'm not banned. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that, so Yet. that 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 thing got got so blown out of proportion, and people believed it because they didn't know the rule. Yeah. So they would trust the authority that was telling them, "No, this is the rule." The rules are right there in black and white, and people didn't want to go. And th- you know, this is the unfortunate thing about dickheads with authority <laughs> is that they have this power over people, and people are willing to listen to them. And uh, yeah, it's it's just unfortunate, but uh, that's that's the dark side. That is. Um, largely gone you know yeah, by and large it definitely seems to be cool less to be it definitely seems to be less important these days which is great um i really hope that trend continues and we we end up with you know another 10 years from now at which point we'll have both been involved in powerlifting for over two decades which is a fucking weird thing to say out loud um <laughs> am i allowed to say i hope not <laughs> uh definitely uh and yeah i think you're right that the the trend is moving towards just a more cohesive landscape that is less judgy of where you compete based on those three letters Mm. and more about you not being a cunt and people having a good time lifting weights Mm. and that kind of answers what i wanted to talk about as well which is where we see the future going and i think uh, both of us are working hard to create that future in what we do individually um, and then collectively, that's what we're we're hoping for, and it's certainly what I support. You know, I support anyone who's um, trying to grow the sport of powerlifting in a way that supports and promotes the best outcomes for the lifter, mm-hmm. uh, because that's ultimately what matters. The lifters are what it, powerlifting is, not the federations. Yeah. I completely agree. Amazing. All right. Well, there's another episode of Peak Speak. Finally. Yeah. Maybe it'll be less than three weeks before the next one. <laughs> maybe it won't be. We'll never know. Catch you next time. Bye.